Yeah, I'm Jim Nolan. I'm a private investigator working for my dad's firm in Boston. Perhaps you've heard of Dad, Abbott Nolan? A lot of his cases were written up in PI Magazine. He and Gladys, that's my mother, have been running this office since I was in high school. Now Dad is missing. He hasn't returned from investigating the Laurel case up in Maine. I've come back to work with Mom until he returns. He will return. I will find him. It's only a matter of time. Misfits Audio is proud to present Jim Nolan, Private Eye. Episode 2 is titled The Case of the Purloined Payroll. Jim, my friend. Ted, how goes the diner business? Now, good. Last week was pretty slow for some reason. Here, take a load off. Thank you. I've been on my feet all day. Looking for the bad guys, huh? That's my job. What can I get for the world's greatest private detective? I'm afraid you have the wrong Mr. Nolan for that title. Is there any word on Al? No, and he's been missing for more than three months. I've known your dad for a long time. He's resourceful. He'll find his way home. I hope you're right. Now, what can I get for you? Just some black coffee. You got it. How about some pie? My Lucy makes a great cherry pie. <laughs> okay, you talk to me into it. Lucy, some cherry pie, please, for Jim. How's business? Exciting? A little too exciting sometimes. I'm looking forward to doing something quieter. Weren't you a realtor before you came back to Nolan Investigations? I was. And I'll probably go back to that after Dad returns. Now, I was thinking of something even quieter than that. Like what? Like running a diner, maybe. <laughs> Nothing quiet here, Jim. Thanks, Lucy, my love. Here's your pie. Thank you. Mm. Mm. Say, this, this is good pie. She makes it all from scratch. Mm. You, you, you can tell. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, about a diner being a quiet business. Not this one. Not lately. Troubles? And how? What, what, what's been going on? You remember Vinny? He used to bust the tables and clean up around here. Yeah, nice kid. Tall, big shoulders. That's him. He quit, right? Uh-huh. He joined his dad's business in Springfield, a plumbing concern, I think. A little while ago, I found a new kid to take his place. Really? One morning, this kid walks into the diner. He says he's new to Boston and saw the help wanted sign in the window. He looks like a nice kid, so I give him the job. You're lucky to have found someone so quickly. I thought so, too. His name is Paul Templeton. He goes by Polly. Good kid. Clean-cut, polite. Grew up on a farm. He sounds perfect. What went wrong? He worked here for six days. Odd worker. He cooked, cleaned, busted the tables. Two days ago, he doesn't show up for work. He hasn't been in since. Did he call? No call. I don't know where he is. I hope he's all right. He's a good worker. I don't want to lose him. But that's not the worst of it. My payroll's gone. Are you sure you didn't misplace it? I'm sure. I always keep it under the cash drawer in the till. My own little hiding spot. There's nothing there now. You think Paulie took it? I don't know. He's a good kid, but now he's gone and so is my money. That's too much of a coincidence, don't you think? Ted's Diner is a nice little place. 
nothing too fancy. It could use some paint and some of the counter stools pinch a bit, but the owner, Ted Theophilus, serves good food at a fair price. Ted has been a friend of the Nolan family for years, and Jim doesn't like it when people take advantage of his friends. Missing items? One diner payroll and one farm boy. Jim Nolan is about to take on the case of the purloined payroll. Can you help me out, Jim? I can sure try. What can you tell me about this, Polly? Polite, respectful, always called me Mr. Theophilus, even though I told him a dozen times to call me Ted. He was a good worker. So you said. You called him a kid. How old is he? Twenty-two. How about his appearance? Height? Weight? Hair color? He was around all six foot one, I'd say. Thin, maybe 160 pounds. Hair was black and cut short. I think his eyes were green. I never really gave them a close look. How about his clothes? Did he tend to dress in a certain way? Usually jeans and a t-shirt. I never knew from day to day what I'd need him for. Sometimes it was dirty work, like cleaning the grill, so I didn't want him ruining any good clothes. If it was waiting tables, he'd put on a smock. Any distinguishing marks? What do you mean? Mustache, sideburns, moles, anything like that? Jim, this kid was the definition of clean cut. No facial hair, no visible birthmarks. I don't think he could have raised a whisker if he wanted to. I kept thinking how unusual it was for a kid of his years to be so clean-cut in this day and age. You mentioned he was a fanboy. That's right. From where? You know, I don't know. I never heard him mention what his hometown was. Sorry. No problem. Doris. You waitress? What about her? Polly talked to her more than anybody else, especially when he was working the grill and she was waiting tables. If anyone knows anything more about Polly, it's Doris. You should talk to her. Jim Nolan, my how you grown. It's good to see you, honey. You too, Doris. How's your Steve? He's really good. His carpentry business is doing very well. Is Gladys still working with you? She is. Any word on your dad? I'm afraid not. And Trudy? When are you going to make an honest woman out of that girlfriend of yours? Now come on, Doris... She's a beautiful girl, and you're a handsome man. Doris? It's your loss, Jim. If you say so. Trudy's visiting family in Florida right now. She'll be back on Sunday. You make sure to bring Gladys here soon. We have so much to talk about. I'll tell her you were asking for her. Ted told you that I needed your help, right? He did. He said it was about Polly. Is, is he okay? That's what I'm trying to find out. No one seems to know where he is. It's like he's vanished. Ted said that Paulie probably talked to you more than anyone else in the diner. What can you tell me about him? He was a nice kid. So everyone says. He told me that he calls his mom every week. My own son don't do that. Sometimes I have to call him for heaven's sake. Did Paulie mention where he was living? He said he had a room nearby. He told me once that he could walk from there to here in about 20 minutes. Did he tell you the name of the place where he was living? No, he never mentioned it. Ted told me that Paulie was a farm boy. Did he ever say where he was from? Oh, jeez. Yeah, he did once. Now, where was it? Come on, Doris. I'm trying to remember. Was it in Massachusetts? No, Pennsylvania. Something with a P. P. 
Pottenville. That's it. Are you sure? Yep. I remember the two P's. Pottenville, Pennsylvania. I've never heard of it. Neither have I. From the way he described it, it sure sounded nice. Peaceful, you know. It sounds like a relaxing place to go over a weekend. For you and Steve. Or you and Trudy. Doris. All right. I'm sorry. Old habits die hard. Thank you. I'm sure Mom will be able to find out something about Pattonville. You're welcome. You'll remember to give Trudy my love, won't you? The two of you will have to stop by sometime. We've got some nice booths made just for two. What do you think, Jim? We've got a good description of him, and we know where he's from. That's not a bad start. Are you heading to Pottenville? No, not yet anyway. I want to see what I can find out in Boston first before I go on a road trip. Thank you for your help. I'm uh, kind of embarrassed. About what? Well, with payroll being stolen, I've had to dig into my savings to cover the paychecks of my employees. That must be tough. Lucy wasn't happy with me, but there's no reason why my staff should suffer because of the theft. They all work hard. However, with that loss and business only now picking up, I can't afford... Don't you worry about me. I can't let you work for nothing. Ted, it's okay. No, it's not. I don't mind, really. I got it. You help me with this, and you can have a free blue plate special anytime you want for for a full year. You don't have to. I insist. Deal? <laughs> Deal. Good. I feel better now. You've seen me eat, Ted. You may live to regret your generosity. What did you find out, Mom? Partonville is a farming and dairy town in western Pennsylvania. It was originally founded on land deeded to William. Good work. But I don't see how this info helps us find Paulie and the money. They've got their own newspaper, The Clarion. I called their office and spoke with the paper's editor, Mr. Marshall. He said he knows of a Templeton family in Partonville. I got their phone number through information... I've called a few times, but no one's answered. So no luck there. Were you able to track down any possible boarding houses? That's a tough one, Jimmy. Why? Paulie said that he could walk to the diner from his room in about 20 minutes. So all we need is a list of boarding houses approximately that far from Ted's diner. Do you know if Polly's a fast walker or a slow walker? I couldn't say. There's the problem. All we know is that he's young, so he might walk quickly. If so, the distance he could cover in 20 minutes would be much greater than the distance, say, I might cover. I can get a decent idea of a radius to look in for his boarding house, but nothing too certain. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Your dad had to deal with a thing like that in the Folger case back in 68. I remember now. Mom, who's that friend of yours at the phone company? You mean Madge? That's her. Would she be in a position to look up the records of any recent telephone installations? You mean a phone installation for a certain Mr. Templeton? Exactly. Good afternoon. Could I speak with Madge Bullard, please? Yes, I'll hold. What an old crow. She's not an old crow. She happens to be a good friend and she'll help us if she can. She... Hello, Madge. It's Gladys. 
just fine. How are you and your boys? He's 19 now? I can't believe it. Get on with it. Shh. Pardon me? Oh, that's Jim. I'll tell him. Madge sends her best. Wonderful. Madge, I need some help. You'd have access to the records of any recent phone installations, right? Great. Well, I need you to look one up for me. It would have been for a Paul Templeton, probably no more than two weeks ago. Sure, I can hold. Thanks. Let's hope he has his own phone and doesn't use a house phone. You told me Doris said that Polly called his mother every week. It would get pretty inconvenient and expensive to pump all those coins into a payphone. Yes, Madge, right. Paul Templeton. P. Templeton? Sure, could be. Give me a second. Let me get this down. Uh Uh-huh. Great. Thanks so much. My best to the boys. Bye-bye. A P. Templeton had a telephone installed recently at the Gentle Valley Boarding House. Gentle Valley? It sounds more like a retirement home. What's in her name? Here's the address of the boarding house and the number to Polly's personal phone. Great work. Remind me never to criticize Madge again. You can count on it. Well, if he's in town, he's not at home. Now what? I'm going to head over to Gentle Valley and see if I can get a gander at Polly's room. Can you get in touch with the local bus companies and see if any of them runs a bus from Boston to Pattonville? If they do, find out when, where, how much. You know what to ask. Do we know the boy doesn't have a car? Well, he walks to work every day. Wouldn't he drive if he had a car? Ted's got a big free packing lot. It wouldn't cost Polly anything to pack there all day. You think that Polly's gone back to his hometown? I hope so. Why? If he has, he's probably still alive. May I help you, young man? My name is Jim Nolan. I'm a private investigator. Oh, dear. Have I done something wrong? No, ma'am. I'm here to talk about one of your boarders. May I come in so we can talk? I suppose that would be all right. Thank you, Mrs... You can't be too careful. No, you can't. I'm Roberta Tanner. Please, call me Roberta. Do you need all those locks on your doors, Roberta? I'm 87 years old. You don't get to be my age by being careless. You don't look 87. (laughs) You're very kind, mister. What did you say your name was again? Jim Nolan. But please, call me Jim. That would be nice. Have a seat, Jim. Thank you. Would you like some tea? No, thank you. I always have some tea ready. You never know when you're going to get visitors. At night, I sometimes slip a little brandy into my tea. It helps me sleep. (laughs) Oh, I shouldn't have told you that. No? Well, it's not a very good thing to do. 
Why? No one gets hurt. You won't tell Wendell? Wendell? My son. He runs this place. I just live here. He's out picking up some things. I won't mention it. He wouldn't be too happy. It's his brandy. <laughs> I promise not to tell. Why are you here again? I need to get some information about one of your boarders. How long have you been a police officer? I'm not a police officer, Roberta. I'm a private investigator. Oh, yes. So you said. Which one of the boarders are you here about? Paul Templeton. Oh, dear. Is he all right? That's what I'm looking into. I'd hate for anything to have happened to him. I don't know that anything has happened to him. Such a nice young man. Always pleasant. Always helpful. He's done some minor repairs around here in exchange for a reduction in his rent. My window never seems to have the time for such things. What kind of a boarder is Paul? He's a good one. He keeps to himself and follows the house rules. No cooking in the rooms, no loud noise, no drugs, and no hanky-panky. I wish we had more boarders like him. Some of them really cause us trouble. Do you think it would be possible for me to see his room? Oh, I don't know about that. I promise to be very careful and not to mess anything up. I'm merely hoping to find some clue as to his whereabouts. It would be for his own good. Well, okay. Here's my pass key. His room is 2F. Up the stairs, second door on the left. Please be sure to lock the door after you leave. Thanks. And please bring me back the keys when you're done. You're not coming with me? No. It's not too easy getting up and down the stairs with this blasted cane. Besides, I have something very important to do here. I need some more tea, and my stories are coming on. Your stories? That's what I call my soap operas. I see. Wendell doesn't like me watching them. Do you watch them, Jim? No, I'm usually pretty busy in the daytime. I look forward to them. I have to watch them every day. If I miss a day, I won't be able to follow the story. Paulie's room was about what I'd expected. In one corner was a bed that had seen its better days. The rest of the furniture consisted of a small circular table, a tiny bureau, and two wooden chairs. The bureau had some of Paulie's clothes in it, as did the small closet. There were a few colorful pictures on the walls, and someone, probably Roberta, had had some drapes hung on the window to give the place a more homey feel. On a small nightstand beside the bed was his phone. The number written on the dial matched the number Mom had given me. I poked around for some letters or some other clues, but found nothing. Nolan Investigations. It's Jim. Did you get into Polly's room? Yeah, I did. Some of his clothes are still here, so I guess he's planning on coming back. Any luck with the bus companies? I found one bus company, Smith & Sons. That has a route that includes Partonville. One bus in, one bus out, every weekday. Does anyone remember a kid who looks like Paulie riding the bus? Their regular ticket seller is on vacation until Monday. If Polly left when we think he did, this man would have sold him the ticket. The regular driver is out on his route now. They're going to try to reach him. They said they'd get back to me. Were you able to get in touch with the Templeton's in Pattonville? No, there's still no answer. Thanks. I'm going to call it a night. I'll see you in the morning. 
I hung up the phone and left Polly's room, locking the door behind me as I had promised. I returned the keys to Roberta, being careful not to interrupt her stories or what looked like a somewhat early tea time. The next morning, I gave Ted a call. Jim, I'm glad you called. Guess who just walked in? You're kidding. He said that he was sorry for his missed time, that he'd make it up and that it wouldn't happen again. And he started setting up the tables like nothing had ever happened. At least he's all right. Did you ask him about the money? I wouldn't know how. I know how. I'll be right there. Has he said anything else? Just what I told you over the phone. You're right. It's like it never happened as far as he's concerned. May I talk to him, Ted? Sure. Pull up a chair at the counter. That's his station to dig. Don't take the second stool from the right. It pinches. Good morning, sir. What can I get for you today? The special looks good. One special coming up. Anything to drink? Black coffee. Okay, let me put your order in. One special, please. That'll be ready in a little bit. And here's your coffee. Thanks. I've never seen you in here before. Are you new? Pretty new. I've only been in Boston for a couple of weeks. And you already have a job. That Ted's a great guy, isn't he? Yeah, he certainly is. He gave me a chance when other people might not have. So you've never worked in a diner before? Nope. This is my first time. Yeah, that Ted's a fine man. It's too bad about what happened to him. What was that? You didn't hear. I've been gone for a couple of days. Family trouble. That's too bad. It's all straightened out now. What happened to Mr. Theophilus? His payroll was stolen. Every cent. That's horrible. It must have turned up. I got my paycheck today. That's because he covered the payroll out of his savings. He said he didn't feel that his employees should suffer because of the theft. I guess I don't have to tell you that covering that loss has really put a pinch on him, his wife, and their kids. That's a pretty big sum to absorb. That stinks. Does he know who took the money? Here's your food, Jim. You'll be good to Mr. Nolan, Polly. He's an old friend of mine and a very good customer. I'll do that, Mr. Theophilus. Ted, please. Jim Nolan, huh? You're a private detective. I've seen your office sign on Devonshire Street. That's me. Are you going to help Mr. Theophilus find the money? I am. Well, I sure hope you find whoever took the money from under the cash drawer. What a rotten thing to do. How'd you know the payroll money was under the cash drawer on the till? Uh, I, um, uh, you mentioned it just now. No, I didn't. I never said a word. Uh, I must have heard it from Mr. Theophilus, or, or, or Doris mentioned it then. Ted doesn't tell anyone about the hiding place. Why'd you take the money, Polly? Me? You already slipped up. You may as well spill the beans. Things might go easier on you. Are you are you talking about prison? I may be, unless you cooperate. Why'd you take the payroll? I needed the money. A lot of people need money. It's not like that. Why'd you take it? For love, Mr. Nolan. Didn't you ever read your Bible? The love of money is the root of all evil. Not, not the love of money. The love of a girl. Helen. Helen Mayfield. Is she your girlfriend? Yeah. Well, well she was. It's... It's over now. Too bad. Have you ever been in love? Sure. Then you know the kind of things that love can make you do. Love never made me steal. It made me steal. You took the payroll because of your girl? That's right. Tell me about Helen. We grew up together in Partonville. That's in Pennsylvania. Do you know the place? Not really. 
We we went to school together. We walked home every day. I carried her books for her. She was a beauty. Long blonde hair, striking blue eyes, and skin that made babies jealous. Everyone said we'd get married one day. But you didn't. No. Not long ago, Helen fell in with a bad crowd. She started doing things that weren't very ladylike. It tore the hearts out of her mom and dad, and she tossed me aside like an old shoe. She said she had no use for me anymore. Can you believe that? After all of our time together... It happens sometimes. I tried and tried to straighten things out with her. No luck. I tried for a long time. I really, I really, really did. Finally, I decided to leave Partonville and all of its memories behind. I packed up what little belongings I had, grabbed a bus, and came to Boston. Mr. Theophilus was kind enough to give me a job, so here I am. And here the payroll isn't. Why'd you take it? Well, I got a call from Helen the other night. She told me that she had been wrong and that she wanted to get her life back on the right track. She said that she needed my help and asked me to come back to town. All the old feelings came flooding back. Maybe, just maybe, I thought there was a future for us after all. One problem, I needed the money for the bus fare and traveling expenses. So you took the payroll? I knew it was wrong when I did it. I needed the money, and there it was, right in front of me. The temptation for the easy fix was just too great. I buckled, and I shouldn't have. You could have gotten the money in some other way. Ted probably would have loaned it to you. He's lost more shirts to people by taking them off his own back. Now that my head's clear, I realize that I could have asked him. I didn't think of it then. Don't they say that love can blind you? I guess I was blinded. Since you're back, I guess it didn't work out with Helen? No, she didn't really want to change. It was all a big joke to her. Look, fellas, look how fast I made this bumpkin rush back to town. Look how I can still control him and make him jump when I say so, even from hundreds of miles away. Painful though it was, it didn't take me long to realize that she was a lost cause and that I had been had. I took the next bus back to Boston. I'm sorry, Polly. I have to forget her. Have you ever had your heart broken, Mr. Nolan? Who hasn't? You learn to go on because you have to. I'm sure I will. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Polly, putting all this heartbreak aside, there's still the matter of the payroll. I know. I'm ashamed of myself. You have to make things right. When you do, you can put this matter behind you like you will with Helen. What can I do? Have you told Ted you took the payroll? I can't tell him that. Here he puts all this trust in me and I go and steal from him. He'd never believe a word I said again. I think you'll find that Ted is a bigger man than that. You think so? I know so. We've been friends for a lot of years. You're right. I have to tell him. It won't be easy. But if you don't tell him, I will. You will? Ted's my client. He hired me to find out who took his money. And, I might add, to find you. He was worried about me? He was. Now that I've found out what happened to his money, it's time to tell him and close the case. Will I go to jail? That's up to Ted. It's his choice if he wants to press charges. I doubt he will if you admit what you did. The rest is up to him. So what happened? Paulie told Ted all about it. About Helen breaking his hat. About everything. Ted's giving him the chance to work off the debt. Paulie's going to clean up the diner. It'll get a new coat of paint and a good scrubbing. 
I hope he fixes those stools that pinch when you sit down. If I know Ted, and I do, Paulie will be even Stephen before you know it. I'm glad for both of them. You know, Mom, it's nearly lunchtime. What do you say the two of us head over to Ted's? My treat. Sure. It will give me a chance to see Doris again. Wait a minute. Didn't you say that Ted's giving you free food for solving the case? That's right. Then your lunch will be free? Right, but I'll still be paying for yours. <laughs> Come on, Mr. Big Spender. Gladys, it's been a long time. <laughs> Hasn't it, though? We have to find the time for a chat. Maybe after lunch. That might work, if you'll excuse me. I have hungry people to feed now. Tables won't wait themselves. Mrs. Nolan, you're looking lovely as always. You flatter me, Ted. I'm only telling the truth. Oh, here, Jim, this is for you. An envelope? What is it? I don't know. I haven't opened it. I found it stuffed in my mailbox after you left. I was going to deliver it to the office later if you didn't come by. You can see it says Nolan on the front. Why don't you two take this table? I'll be right back. I'm going to wait on you personally. Let's see what we have here. Mom? What is it? Are you all right? You look like you've seen a ghost. Here! Oh, dear God. I'm okay. I'll be back as soon as I can tie all this up with a nice bow. If I can. Be well. Love. Albert. That's his handwriting, all right. I'd recognize it anywhere. He's alive, Mom. Dad is alive. Our special thanks to the voices of Russell Gold as Jim Nolan, Mike Hennessy as Ted Theophilus, Katie Daynard as the narrator, Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as Doris, Joyce Bender as Gladys Nolan, Katie Daynert as Roberta Tanner, and John Daynert as Paul Polly Templeton. Jim Nolan Private Eye was created by Mike Murphy and Arlene Osborne. The Case of the Purloined Payroll was written by Mike Murphy. The Jim Nolan Private Eye theme was composed and performed by Vivian Dosco. Please hear more of her wonderful music at www.myspace.com slash Vivian Dosco. That's V-I-V-I-A-N-D-O-S-K-O-W. Producer, Captain John Tadrzak. Assistant producer, Mike Murphy. Mixer, John Specht. Editor, Arlene Osborne. Webmaster, April Sadowski. We would also like to thank Captain John Tadrzak of Misfits Audio for airing this show. Mike Murphy, the author of this story, gratefully acknowledges the continued help of Arlene Osborne in the betterment of his scripts. This production is for enjoyment purposes only, and I'm your narrator, Katie Daynert, for Misfits Audio 2009.